It's time to party. This is a no holds barred celebration of being alive. America WK with your friend and mine, Andrew WK, on the Blaze Radio Network. Hello, it's America WK. This is Andrew WK. Very good to be back with you. I hope you have been doing well. Actually, I hope that you've at the very least just been doing. I truly believe that there is too much pressure on us from society and culture as a whole, from each other, especially though most of all from ourselves, to be doing well. And we're constantly comparing ourselves, not just to other people or other standards, but to how we were doing in the past or how we thought we should be doing by this point in life or how we think we're supposed to be doing soon so we better get ready because we really have to start doing well soon or we're going to run out of time to do well. What does doing well even mean? Doing well as opposed to not doing well. What's not doing well? Is this success based on mood? Is it based on material objects purchased or or owned or made? Is it based on family and friends and work? What if you could actually, what would it feel like even just to live and just be doing and just not have to decide if it was well or not well? Even just for a few minutes during the day, is that even possible? There's a challenge. Let's see what it's like for today to just not have to hold ourselves to that type of standard. Now, I'm not saying to completely lose track of our sense of judgment or to intentionally let go of our efforts to be good or be nice or live a noble, honorable life. I just think sometimes perhaps in our extraordinary efforts to do well, that we actually end up not doing very well at all, or at least feeling as though we're not. Sometimes there's so much pressure on us to be happy that we pressure ourselves right out of any chance of happiness. And maybe again, this happiness that we're always chasing after is actually right there to be found without even having to look for it, without even having to strive for it. It's already there. The striving and searching and trying, the scheming, is keeping it just out of sight. It's piling up all this nonsense stuff on top of it that we think is what life is made of. We think all these efforts, all this activity, is what makes life, life. But maybe life is what's going on beneath the activity or despite the activity. Sometimes I just imagine, what would life be if I just wasn't doing any of the stuff that I'm doing? Not to say I don't enjoy it, not to say that I wouldn't do it if I didn't have to or wasn't expected to, but just to imagine life without activity, life without specific pursuits, life without striving, just to see, just to try to envision what that would feel like. Maybe, again, reducing life to the most basic survival requirements. 
and then building it back up from there, just as a thought exercise, just as a, a challenge. Try to go throughout the day without giving in to that constant need to check oneself, to judge oneself, to do an inventory on how well you're doing. But just be. Just exist. And maybe in that, there's a clarity. I think it helps see things a bit more for what they really are. And that's not to discount the importance of any of the activities we're engaged in. But just try to see them a little more clearly. Try to see through what can otherwise be distracting or clouding. But I do hope you have been doing well. Whatever that wellness would mean to you. I do really think that so much of what we are trying to fix in ourselves, so much what we're trying to so much of what we're trying to get away from or what we're running towards is this idea that something is deeply wrong with ourselves and that something out there is going to fix it. Something in the future, something just out of sight, something just out of reach. But of course, even in our own experiences, not to mention looking at just thousands of examples throughout history, getting that elusive thing we thought was going to solve everything, solve all our problems and make us whole, make us well, make us happy, doesn't do anything. We just end up going after something else. And that doesn't mean that it's the pursuit of that either that is giving us the happiness. It's this outward effort that could all be turned inward. And that no specific achievement, no specific prescription, no specific institution, or anybody else can actually do the work for us. Even the most advanced spiritual lessons can't actually do the hard work for us. And in that way, I think some of these problems that we're told we need to overcome, our problems, our inner problems, the, the, the problem we have as a person, I don't mean outer problems like uh, circumstantial problems like a flat tire. That's an easy one. You go and get it replaced. Maybe you have to save up. Maybe you have to use the spare tire for a while. But there's a satisfaction and a straightforwardness to a problem like that. These inner problems with our emotions, with our feelings, with what it is to be ourselves, those are much less satisfying or direct or easy to address as fixing a flat tire. But at the same time, going in and dealing with those inner issues is more meaningful and more satisfying in the end, more enlightening, than any number of flat tires we can fix on cars outside or in the world around us or any of those structural problems that surround us. And in that way, those inner quote-unquote problems 
are in fact not problems at all. In a very strange way, they're gifts. They're blessings. This thing that we were told was wrong with us all along, that we have to uh, eliminate, that we have to numb ourselves to, that we have to squash or hide from or avoid or, or medicate away, is not a problem at all. It could be one of the best things going on for us because addressing it, having the courage and strength to go into it rather than run away from it, might actually be the biggest and best thing we ever could do as a person. It might make us a bigger and better person than we ever could be doing anything else. Getting a hold of those inner problems and realizing they're, they're actually not even problems, they're opportunities, they're gateways to a bigger and better version of ourselves, that would be doing well. And that's a lot to live up to. But if we got to go for something, why not go for that? That's something we can actually work on every day in some way or another. Just realizing as a first step, just realizing that it's not something to feel bad about. It's not something to be ashamed of. It's not something to run away from. It's not something to sedate ourselves over. The point of life is to not tranquilize ourselves. The point of life is to become very, very strong so that we can take in as much life as we possibly can and be as much of a life inside as we can. That's, that's our quest. Life is a quest. And what an amazing opportunity to be on a quest with you. It's America WK. Please stay with me. There's all kinds of stuff to talk about today. Be right back. <laughs> America WK with your host Andrew WK on the Blaze Radio Network. Coming up today on Patents Two. I don't even know with this field who's what are you going to confront? I mean, they're all almost communists. So they've all got the same policies. They don't really seem to hate each other. Uh, no. They all kind of well, get along together and play in the same pool. What, what do they have to confront each other on? The, the, the buzz, Pat. Pat and Stu, weekdays at 5 p.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. Now, the king of partying himself, your friend and mine, Andrew WK. Welcome back to America WK. It's actually episode number 27. We are well on our way here with this weekly radio program. Really, just as usual, cannot believe. I can't believe we even got to episode number two. But here we are, 27 episodes in. To America WK. And before the break there, talking about what we think of as problems, the problems inside ourselves that in fact might not be problems at all, but incredible opportunities, opportunities that are so, so fantastic and so important that they're actually gifts. They're a talent, 
Sometimes our problems, I think, are actually hidden talents. Talents that need to be reinterpreted, reexamined, and also that we need to develop the strength and skill to actually earn the right to use. If you have an extraordinary power, but no discipline to apply it properly, it'll just run haywire. In fact, that same power can destroy you. It can absolutely drive you crazy. It can take you down. We need to prove ourselves to our own life, to our own gifts, to our own inner abilities to show that we have the wherewithal to use them. Because if we let them out and don't know how to control them, don't know how to direct them, don't know how to transmute that raw energy into something truly good and useful, it doesn't deserve to be let out. We don't deserve to, ha- to get to use it because it will run haywire and not only destroy us, but could harm many other people along the way. We see this. I'm sure we can all think of many examples where we've seen people with extraordinary abilities find at the same time that those abilities could be a curse, that a talent could also be a curse. What seems like a gift can also be an affliction. But the good thing about that is that it also works, as I said, in reverse. What we think of as our problem or our burden can, in fact, be a great, beautiful gift. It's all just about how we use these things. They're all raw energy. And that goes back also to not having to judge so harshly when it comes to these things. So black and white. This or that or the other, good or bad. A lot of these things, they don't fall into one category or the other. Especially when it comes to life and our inner life inside. It is very complex. Or maybe it's even simple, but it's certainly not left or right, A or B, zero or one. This need to separate things into one or the other is very natural, but I don't know that that's the way reality actually is. That's how we interpret a reality that is so vast and so multifaceted that we can't really manage it. And so we chop it up. But instead of chopping it up into many pieces, we chop it up into one or the other. And I think there's times when that can be very useful and we can each decide when it's helping us But when it's hurting us, let's stop doing it. And especially when it is literally hurting us to chop ourselves into two pieces. Let's stop doing it. Let's unite ourselves within ourselves into one good thing called a person. Not a person with bad parts and good parts. A person with just one source within itself that can be used in good or bad ways, can be used in a all different kinds of ways. But don't, don't buy into the, the, the ploy. The same people that want to tell you that there's something wrong with you will be the first ones that claim they have the way to fix it. That you can't fix it without them. That's when you really know you're being sold a, 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 a line of BS. That not only have they figured out that something's very wrong with you, But also, amazingly enough, they're they're the only ones that can fix it. They have the best solution. They've figured it out. 
Well, that doesn't make any sense at all. Because if they truly did understand what was going on in you, they would know that it wasn't anything wrong to start with. And certainly they would know that no one else could address that except the person themselves. Everything else is just treating a symptom. And I'm not just talking about drugs. I'm talking about everything. The work has to be done from the inside out. Any solution that works from the outside in, it might help. It might change the way you feel to a degree. It might alter our perception in some way. It certainly can quell and dampen the pain. But even that pain that we think is pain might just be a misinterpretation of an intense feeling. We're told that life is supposed to be so easy all the time. What is that scam all about? Since when did we start buying into this wholesale idea that life was supposed to be pain-free and easy? Probably the, the least healthy kind of life we could ever have would be a life that wasn't full of challenge and discomfort and pain. Because if it's not full of that, it means we're not growing at all. Do you think it was not full of pain to be born? Did you think it was, it was not full of discomfort to come into the world? If that experience tells us anything, it tells us that we're constantly being born and it's probably always going to be rather traumatic. But at least we can manage that trauma by getting stronger and learning how to deal with it. And a good step would be to be very suspicious of anyone who tells you that there's something wrong with you and that they're the ones who are going to fix it. They may mean totally well. They may truly believe that they have the answers. It may not be a personal shortcoming uh, on their end in any way. That's why it can be very easy to want to believe that that person can fix you. It's also very easy to believe because it seems like it'd be so nice to not have to do all that hard work. We're always looking for that easier way out. But it never adds up. We keep thinking that somehow, some way, this time we'll be able to cut corners just a little bit and we'll be the ones that can get away with it. That we can cheat a little here or there and bypass some of these proven factors. And, and this time it'll be different. It won't catch up with us. And we'll be able to have a worthwhile, meaningful, good life without really having to do the hard inner work to get there. It just doesn't work that way. And you know what? I don't wish that it did. Because the most satisfying kind of life that I think we could ever have is the one that isn't easy, but forces us to grow, forces us to be bigger and better than we once were. It might be easier for the seed to never bloom or for the sapling to never keep growing might be easier for the chicken to never break out of the egg and just stay in there where it's cozy and warm forever. But that's not the plan. We've got to keep going, doing, living, being. 
It's America WK. Stay with me. I will be right back. A party for being alive. This is America WK. With Andrew WK. On the Blaze Radio Network. Don't miss the morning blaze with Doc and Skip. New York City administrative judge ruled that Ronald Dillon should be suspended without pay for 30 days for twice talking in a robot voice. What is robot voice? Robot is speaking in a monotone kind of area and talk very like one-sided. Yeah, Domo Arigato, by the way. <laughs> Mr. Robot, I this is the help desk. The Morning Blaze with Doc and Skip. Weekday morning, 6 to 9 Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. show restoring your faith in humanity through the power of positive partying. This is America WK with Andrew WK. Welcome back to America WK. It's Andrew WK. You know, I wasn't planning actually to go so far into this idea of one's inner problems and perhaps choosing to see them not as problems, but as opportunities or even as gifts. But uh, I was thinking about it a lot since our episode last week, where we talked about some of these same sort of inner feelings, uh, such as frustration and anger. And I was really thinking about that earlier today, because I was writing back to a person who wrote to my advice column, asking about how to address their anger problems. And the first thing I said is maybe you don't have a quote-unquote anger problem. Maybe you have an energy problem. Or not even an energy problem, but an energy opportunity. You might just have so much vitality surging around inside you that it has nowhere to go except explode out. And when something explodes out, we tend to think of it as anger. Like the Incredible Hulk. Sure, he's full of rage and he has a lot of strength, but when he directs it towards good, it's an incredible gift. He has this incredible talent, these enormous powers. I was just thinking about that a lot. I was also thinking about it in terms of good and bad, or perhaps more appropriate, good and evil. Because someone like the Incredible Hulk, for example could easily be seen as evil depending on what he's doing depending on who you are that he may be doing it too and could also obviously be seen as good depending on if he's helping you and i just realized that in a like this time of the year is halloween halloween time is probably one of my most favorite holidays times of the year largely due to the weather as we have discussed before i've told you about my affinity for this transition between summer and winter i find it to be the most magical and the most ripe with possibility there's a ripeness something about the decay all those dead leaves mulching into soil is actually uh, 
a place for rebirth. We know that if the vegetation doesn't die and go back into the earth, the soil won't be rich enough to produce new life in spring or rejuvenation of all that plant life. And there's something uh, very inspiring about that creatively. I always found it just the most uh, stimulating time of the year. And it seems like no small coincidence then that Halloween is happening right during this time. Perhaps right on the edge of where it's really getting so past fall that winter is really beginning. I mean, it's, it's getting there. I don't know if frost has officially hit anywhere in the main northern states here, but it's, it's getting mighty close, I'm sure. And thinking about Halloween and thinking about this transition or this edge, these seasons and how they represent these edges, the edge between summer and winter is occupied by fall. The edge between winter and summer is determined by spring. And Halloween has this special quality which seems to enhance the edge found between the known and the unknown or the rational and the irrational or the material and the spiritual. Something very fascinating about this edge. And Halloween seems to be the time that we have set aside as a culture or anywhere that actually celebrates this holiday or any similar holiday. Some cultures celebrate multiple holidays that seem to flirt with this edge, this line, this limit, and cross it, or at least identify it and celebrate it to a degree. And we've set aside this time to officially take note. Of course, it's for fun, but why is something like this fun? Where does that pleasure or that joy emerge from? If it's supposed to be scary or frightening or eerie or creepy or even evil, why does it stimulate us? Is it just because we're acknowledging this whole other side of things that we normally don't allow ourselves to explore, that we don't feel is perhaps even safe to consider or dabble with? I completely agree. I think it is not necessarily safe or worth our time and energy trying to interfere with a spirit world. Certainly, if we're trying to meddle with that world or put its powers to use in our world, especially if it's for our own personal gain, it's not to say that it exists even for everybody. But if it does exist for someone, it's probably best to leave it alone. And maybe that's why we have Halloween, because it's a chance to almost sort of pretend to dabble with the darker side of things. Darker not meaning sinister, but the shadowy side of things that we realize we don't necessarily want to get all that mixed up in. 
it would take an extraordinary amount of discipline, a lifetime or perhaps many lifetimes of conscious, committed, focused effort to truly develop the strength to control oneself in that world. It's just too tempting. And it's too, it's too beyond our abilities. I mean, most of us can barely manage, myself included, can barely manage ourselves. So how do we ever think we could manage some spirit, demonic or otherwise? How do we ever think we could control some world that we can't even see if we can barely control our own emotions, if we can barely control our own behavior? we got enough work cut out for us here and now just trying to get a managed grip on our own life. That's why it's also so really inappropriate of us to give so many other people such a hard time about their shortcomings and about their inability to perhaps manage their own life when we still haven't mastered our own. Doesn't mean we can't be critical, doesn't mean we can't have opinions, but it certainly means that we should put most of that energy and effort into trying to get better ourselves first before lashing out or making comments about someone else's failures. Let's be sure that we've at least put some effort into tackling our own. And when it comes to this very tempting desire to get ahead using questionable means, the odds are it'll do more harm to us than good. And that's just all I have to say about that. It's America WK. I'll be right back. You're listening to America WK with Andrew WK on the Blaze Radio Network. Jay Severin. You know, Guru Jay sees things that haunt him. Guru Jay say, I see politically dead people, unholy cow. And when you hear that there's a Rand Paul death watch, well, maybe the best way to put this is, what does Rand Paul have at stake tonight? Rand Paul has at stake tonight shutting people up who are talking about a Rand Paul death watch. Jay Severin. Weekdays, 3 to 5 p.m. Eastern. On the Blaze Radio Network. This is America WK with Andrew WK, only on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to America WK. I am Andrew WK. Right before the break, we were talking about Halloween, the line between the spirit world and our own, I guess, material world, but also between the lighter version of that world and what we might call a darker version. This also gets into the area of good and evil, which we might have time to get into more deeply, although that's a vast, vast, vast subject. But Halloween gives us this time to at least flirt with the idea of perhaps crossing back and forth over this line. There's a feeling even in the air that the line separating these worlds is thinner and more malleable than usual. 
And I, like many people, especially when I was younger, have always been fascinated by that darker, more shadowy side of the world. And I think that's because I identified with those darker, more shadowy sides of my own self. Going back to what we talked about earlier, I don't necessarily think that the darker or shadowy sides of anything mean they are bad or evil. Light creates shadow. You can't have one without the other. Or perhaps you can have light without shadow, but until all obstacles are removed, until all objects are removed, they'll cast shadows. If there's something else there, a shadow will be cast. That's an interesting idea that could be looked at in many different ways. But if we removed everything and all was illuminated, I suppose all there would be is light. A type of light that was so expansive, that's so bright, and permeated everything so completely, without contrast and without dynamics, it would almost, in a way, become a type of darkness all over again. If everything is light, then you still can't see. There's nothing to see within it. Because the minute there's something to see in the light, some object there, some matter there, something there in the light, a shadow will be cast by that thing. These seem to have to both exist. Well, anyway, I was very interested at certain times or felt very drawn, especially around this time of year, to what I thought of as my own dark side or the dark side of things in general. And there were times when I intentionally gave myself over to those impulses. Not necessarily with a formal plan in mind. Not necessarily thinking through what would actually happen or what it would mean or how it would feel. But sometimes just felt compelled to give up my efforts to be better or to hold back. Sometimes I could not turn those bad feelings into good ones or turn that energy, that raw inner strength and direct it towards something useful or kind or loving or unselfish. Sometimes I just wanted to see what would happen if I did the, did the other thing went the other way, went down the other path. Well, as you can imagine, it was never very fun. There were thrills at the beginning, but I usually descended into even further suffering than I had experienced before going down into that pit. I think there's always something useful about fathoming the depths of one own one's own darkness. Fathoming the depths of one's own worst capabilities and capacity for badness. But then you want to pull out. And you can go once and never have to go again. You know that it's there and you don't have to do it. But if you do do it, 
I urge you to never give in to the idea that somehow this dark power is superior or will get you ahead faster. Basically, the idea of using cruelty or malevolence or trickery to get ahead, get one's way, to get more for yourself, it just never pans out. Any feeling or any motivation that we would describe as negative, whether it's greed or selfishness, uh, jealousy and envy, just pure hate, uh, they all will direct us towards our own demise. Even if at the time it seems like we're getting revenge, it seems like we're uh, getting ahead at the expense of someone else like we had hoped and planned, it always seems to unravel in the most obvious way. Perhaps this is all a test. These darker, more questionable forces are not there to ever be used. They're there as a test to see if we can stand not using them. We just don't have the ability yet. We haven't evolved enough. And again, these darker forces, they might not even be darker in a bad way. It's just we haven't developed the strength to use them in a way that isn't dark. And maybe we'll evolve eventually we can. All the energy, hopefully, in the world, in the universe, we can use in some kind of beautiful, beneficial way to help everything unfold as it should. But until then, be very, very careful. It's America WK. I'll be right back. This is America WK, hosted by your friend and mine, Andrew WK. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. It's so common among the left. They, not just to me, but to also many of my conservative colleagues, uh, how quickly many of the uh, seeming people who think that think themselves serious about politics and about policy immediately want to criticize your appearance. With me, I'm always. They're always telling me that my hair is fake, which doesn't actually bother me. And I always kind of want to write back. You wish it was fake, son. Buck Sexton, weekdays noon to three p.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. It's time to party. This is a no-holds-barred celebration of being alive. America WK, with your friend and mine, Andrew WK, on the Blaze Radio Network. It's America WK. We've been talking about this line between good and evil and how flirting with this line can be tempting can be stimulating, can even be beneficial in a sort of educational way, but to actually think we can dip over onto the side of evil and somehow gain something good is just completely illogical. It never will work. It will appear as though it works, which is just all part of the the, the trick ploy that's the trick or treat that's the halloween spirit 
But thinking about good and evil in this way, and again going back to this seemingly inborn need for the human mind to split things into polar opposites, polarities and binary pairs. It just doesn't really make sense that evil would exist. And we've talked about this in terms of negativity and positivity. That this idea of life being a glass half full or half empty, depending how you look at it, that actually both of those views in a very real way together showcase a type of incredible beauty and splendor and positivity and that overriding all the various opposites and options that we have in front of us, this whole experience and everything we can fathom, the whole thing is positive. Even the parts we don't like about it, even the parts that are painful, even the parts that we can't possibly figure out a way for them to be good, they still are somehow connected to this transcendent type of positivity, to a an inherent goodness in all of nature. Because we figure it just wouldn't exist otherwise. And that way it's like, Evil is basically things that we don't like, things that don't allow us to get our way, things that don't further our particular cause at that moment we might call evil, things that we don't understand, things that seem to defy what we think of as common sense at that moment, things that hurt, things that inconvenience us. Those are evil. Or so we think. Things that we enjoy, we call good. Things that seem to further our interests and aid us in our particular personal pursuits, we call good. And we can go on and on about trying to find true examples of evil that exist unto themselves in this world, in life. As usual, what seems evil to one person will be good to another. Even in the most extreme cases, that we can always come up with a more radical situation, but it's probably still a matter of opinion, depending who you ask. And in nature, it's always helpful to look at nature. Nature meaning life and existence separate from humankind for a moment. Does evil exist there? When a lion attacks and kills a zebra in the wild, is that an example of evil? Well, to the lion's cubs who are hungry, that's probably an example of great good. To the zebra's family and young, the lion killing its mother was probably the example of perfect evil. But to nature itself, if there is a transcendent being that we could just call nature, neither of those things is good or evil. They just are. And in their areness, in their purity, they are good. This defies the way we usually think about life in the world. So it is challenging and it's painful. 
It's not fun, actually, to take away that clarity that we get from good and evil. That easy judgment call is not so easy to make. When we start to zoom out and get a little more distance, it gets quite unsettling indeed. But if we think about the highest, highest, highest level, if we keep zooming out and out and out and out to however or whatever is the final level of existence, of everything, of the universe of space, that thing, however it came into being, whatever it is, that we, we cannot comprehend, we can only comprehend our incomprehension. We can only imagine its unimaginability. We can only conceive of how inconceivable this highest level must be. But somehow, somewhere, it does exist. Again, beyond anything that we can fully picture or understand, we may be able to experience it. I mean, we are experiencing it because we're here. That's the most amazing part of all. But that thing, whatever it is, has to be good. In total. Pure goodness. And that thing, from which all other things emerged from and are part of, would not create for itself an adversary. This total goodness that made all things would not then create an equal total badness or total evil. It contains it within itself, and what it contains has to be good. No matter how little sense that makes. And as I'm talking about it, it's starting to make little sense to me. But nevertheless... The idea is, even if we can't understand it in a clear way, it is a rather beautiful, if not slightly terrifying, truth to consider that all things are good. And this idea of good and evil is simply, again, our rather naive but understandable desire to split things apart into one or the other so that they make a little more sense, so that we can navigate this immensity with a little bit of direction. Evil, if it exists anywhere, does not exist as an outside force or as a foe or as an adversary of the universe that is wrestling back and forth with an equally powerful good, this evil is inside of us. This evil is our own capacity to do what we deep down inside know is not right and good. To go against what we really are. To fight against the natural expansion of our own spirits as we make our way through life. And even that can be debatable in terms of its badness or its evil. Because perhaps those are all lessons 
that we need to learn. That doing bad things is how we learn how to do good things. It all starts to transcend understanding quite quickly. But that's okay. It's it's a fact. I think it's a very good and healthy thing to transcend our understanding at times. Because the only way we'll understand more is to go past our present level of understanding, to challenge it. You go up to our limit, then push a little bit past it, just like making yourself stronger through exercise. You don't do the least you can do or even do as much as you can do. You do more than you can do, and that forces the body to grow. We're forcing our spirits to grow by challenging them, even if it makes very little sense. Well, it's America WK, and this is Andrew WK. I'll be right back. Don't go away. This is America WK with Andrew WK on the Blaze Radio Network. Mike Slater. Income, mobility. When anyone, ever anyone talks about income inequality, first of all, say there's nothing inherently bad about income inequality. There's nothing inherently good about it. It just is. Uh, but there's certainly nothing bad about it. And immediately change the subject to income mobility. And the truth is that income mobility is thriving in America just as much as it ever has before. And that's good news. Now, it can do better. Absolutely. But that's more freedom, not more government. Mike Slater. Saturdays at 3 p.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. You're listening to America WK with Andrew WK. Welcome back. It's America WK. I'm Andrew WK, and we've been talking about good and evil. I have written about this a little bit in the past, and some of the feedback I received, some of the comments were quite striking, quite interesting. One of the main points of view that... Um, a lot of people came back to me with was that, well, first of all, I was very mistaken and incorrect that evil does exist as a force and that one of the biggest and most important aspects to realize about evil was that it wants to make you think that it doesn't exist. And that anyone who says that it doesn't exist as a disembodied force was evil and trying to do the bidding of that evil force. So essentially, they accused me of being evil and trying to continue propagating the myth that evil doesn't exist, to try to cover it up, to hide the conspiracy that evil was uh, forcing me to do, or maybe I was doing it without even realizing. And they could be right. What do I know? What I thought was also interesting, though, was in a lot of these comments, people in their accusations of my evil also made some threats that got pretty over the top. I did not respond to any of these comments directly, especially the more extreme ones. But a couple of them involved uh, threats made against my safety 
in the name of eradicating evil. People who wish to cause me harm uh, because they wanted to fight evil. And they pointed out in their comments as well that evil will hide in the most elusive places. That evil will try to convince you that it's not evil at all. And I think that is the most telling out of all the comments because the evil was actually hiding right inside these people who were telling me that I was evil. Talk about an elusive place. Talk about a hiding spot that they couldn't see. It was actually inside them, which continued what I had thought from the very beginning, that it's not an outside force manipulating anybody, that it's just our own inner capacity to not be very nice. But even that I don't really think is evil because just someone disagreeing with me or even someone writing that they want to harm me, I don't really think is evil. That just seems a little confused and, well, maybe just someone messing around even. It's hard to know how seriously to take things like that. But I think that is a very beautiful observation. Many of the great spiritual teachings offer incredible depth in their simplicity and in their symbolism. And when they say something like, how evil hides in plain sight, again, as usual, they're not talking about looking out at the world around us. They're talking about looking in into our own inner world. And that evil can hide in us, in you, in me. Not in mysterious, distant places. And certainly not as a mystical force that is disembodied and manipulating people against their will. We don't need to be manipulated very much when our will is already in line with bad things. If we have those bad feelings in our heart, we don't need some outside force doing all this trickery. Stuff happens in us. Or at least that's just how it seems to me today. I'm open to any of these interpretations because I think they all have value. They all illustrate different sides to these very fundamental ideas. Maybe none of them are completely right. None of them are completely wrong. There's something to be gained from studying each and every point of view. And I really wish, at least for myself, and I would like to wish for you, if you so choose it, to have the sort of energy, I guess, to keep considering all kinds of points of view. And not to just pick one and then be done with it. And if you do pick one point of view, maybe that is the one to have. A point of view that is restless. Or that is, that is perpetually searching. Because think, how did you get to the point of view that you have right now anyway? I mean, you weren't born with it. We sought out our mindsets so far. We pieced them together for many experiences, many ideas, many lessons, many thoughts many encounters, 
And at some point, what, you just stop thinking, you just stop searching, you stop looking, you stop considering, you stop contemplating? No, it's always been developing. It was never developing towards some end. It was always developing and it always should continue to develop to get richer and with more depth and greater insight. So all of this uh, that we're talking about, I, as you can tell, I don't really know anything. And I don't want to know. I want to search. If I knew, I would probably just stop searching. There'd be nothing to want to know beyond that. And hey, maybe there are people out there that know it all. I haven't ever seen one or met one. I've heard that they existed. But even the things that those people said, that's, that said they knew it all, encouraged everyone else to keep searching. It almost seemed like the only thing they learned in knowing it all was to keep looking themselves. That the answer wasn't in getting any answer at all. The answer was in questioning. It's tiring. It's not as easy. It takes a lot more energy. But you either put your energy into picking one point of view and then fighting off everything else that disagrees with it, or you put your energy into perpetually considering and contemplating. Maybe the best is a combination of both. But there's no shame in us changing our minds. It's not always flip-flopping. Again, it's not always from one to the other, from left to right. Changing our mind can just be growing our mind, enlarging our point of view, expanding what we see and what we think. There's no shame in that. There's no loss of dignity in saying, oh, well, I had an experience and now I think this. Or maybe I think I was wrong. You can always change your mind back. We don't need to hold so hard and fast. It takes so much effort that could be used for all kinds of other things, except we just want to keep defending this one precious perspective that we claim as though it's something we came up with. Most of the time, it's just perspective that someone told us. I mean, that's how I always used to think. Someone told me an idea that someone had told them, and I thought that way for a while, and then maybe changed my mind, and now I just don't really think anything in particular. I just don't know, and that way I get to think all kinds of things. Just one point of view out of many. It's America WK if we stay with me. A party for being alive. This is America WK. With Andrew WK. On the Blaze Radio Network. Don't miss the morning blaze with Doc and Skip. So a couple people had the, like the puzzled look on their face. You know, like a lesbian cruise. Someone said, well, is it all lesbians? And she's like, yeah, it's pretty much all lesbians. She goes, although there was a straight couple. There were a lot of people standing around going, did you see? Did you see the straighties on? So hold a hand. Disgusting. Him in his tacky cargo shorts and her in a reasonably linked sundress. <laughs> the Morning Blaze with Doc and Skip. Weekday morning, 6 to 9 Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network.
the undisputed king of partying, invites you to a no-holds-barred celebration of being alive. This is America WK with Andrew WK. All right, we're back on America WK. It's Andrew WK. I was just thinking during the break how to sum up that last rant or ramble or whatever you want to call it. And I think the best way I can say it is it's okay to not know. It's okay to not always have the answer. It's certainly okay to not always have an opinion about an answer or about knowing. And it's okay to change your mind. It's okay to not think anything about it at all and still experience it. We can have experiences and not understand them, not sum them up, not be able to explain them. I feel like that's 99% of what goes on on this radio show. I'm desperately trying to explain things that I don't really understand at all. There's something satisfying on a deep level. I'd say soul satisfaction from just tearing away and dismantling life. Not by creating answers, not by necessarily understanding it, but simply diving into it aggressively, as fearlessly as possible, taking life on headfirst without any particular end result in mind, except just to go through it. I've always liked that feeling. I can say actually, uh, personally, that I enjoy the feeling of things not making sense more than I enjoy understanding. Because in some mysterious way, the sensation of things not making sense actually feels more true and more relatable to how I feel living in the world. Because I'm confused. And I like that confusion. Confusion keeps me on my toes. It keeps me off balance in a way that forces me to use my resources, whatever they may be, mind, body, and spirit, to catch myself, to not fall all the way off the tightrope. But I want to be on that tightrope. Even sometimes if I'm dangling by one finger and clinging on, I'd much rather be on the tightrope than safely on one side or the other. I mean, maybe when you die, it's when you cross that tightrope. Maybe falling off is birth. And maybe starting the tightrope walk is when we decide to actually get into life for the first time. There is some moment for most of us, perhaps a gradual process of moments, but some decision that we make that tells us that we don't want life to feel normal. We don't want life to go back to how it used to be ever again. We don't want a regular life. We don't want an easy life. We want 
a life worth living. And there's a promise that you make to yourself and to your own life, to the world, when you decide that the most exciting thing about being alive is wrestling with the very idea of what's happening with it. I mean, what is more interesting than that? At the same time, what is more confounding and puzzling than that? Life is confusing. If it doesn't feel confusing, then I don't know if I feel fully alive. Because no one has been able to explain exactly what life is. And any explanation that actually answers it does not seem worthy of the immensity and grandeur and and baffling beauty of this thing called life. That is not in any way to discredit or insult any other interpretations or anyone that may have an answer to what they think life is. I think all of that is part of what makes it so confounding and perplexing in this extraordinary way. There's nothing more extraordinary than existence. There's nothing more amazing than life. And it's the one thing we're all doing. It's truly, it's truly a mind, what's the right word? A mind maze. I was going to say a curse word there. It screws with your mind to fully think about how intense life is. It's very easy just to not think about it at all. And in fact, actually, no matter how hard we do try to think about it, when I really try to get into life, it's almost impossible to to see it all. It's almost impossible to think about it. Like we've said many times, it's too close. It's too familiar. We're too immersed in the experience of life to actually get enough distance to examine it. But actually, that's what I think the best thing is about what we would call spirituality. It, perhaps better than any other system or any other discipline or any other mode of thought, allows us, it creates that distance. It brings you closer in to understanding the miracle of your own life by providing this beautiful point of view from which to examine it. Sort of like flying in a helicopter above the Grand Canyon. If you were in the depths of one of those chasms in the Grand Canyon, of course you could see to a degree that it was immense, that it was spectacular, that it was incredible. But until you were given this means to lift up and lift away, you actually couldn't appreciate all of it. You see more of it by getting further away from it. It's quite strange. But that's what our spirit is there to do. Our spirit and this study of our spirit is what brings us closer into life. We might think that it's all these other activities, but I actually really do think that they have very little to do with life. There are people, and there seem to be a lot more, maybe earlier on in human civilization, I mean going back many, many years, when life itself was a newer phenomenon, 
people seemed more concerned with figuring out what it was and how to experience it, how to do it, how to be alive and not to attain any particular outcome or type of success other than to be alive the best you can, to be the best living thing that you can, to have been given the chance to live and to make the most of it. Why isn't that the number one project? I hope it is for you. I'm trying to make it mine. It's always revealing itself to me more and more how obvious this is. But it couldn't be any more complicated at the same time. It's the easiest, hardest thing we'll ever do, being alive. But I wouldn't want it any other way. It's America WK. Be right back. You're listening to America WK with Andrew WK on the Blaze Radio Network. Don't miss Pat and Stu. Royals won. Stayed at the end of it. It was a sacrifice fly. Uh, won the game. Off of Bartolo Colon, who is 43, or 42 years old, and um, overweight, <laughs> is the way I would describe Bartolo Colon. So it's kind of it's funny to watch this guy pitch in the World Series. He actually pitched good the first I think Bartolo Colon is fatter than you are, Jeffy. Is that possible, is. Jeffy? Pat and Stu, weekdays at 5 p.m. Eastern, on the Blaze Radio Network. Radio show restoring your faith in humanity through the power of positive partying. This is America WK with Andrew WK. Welcome back to America WK. I can't thank you enough for your patience, your understanding, your time spent with me. Today, on this episode, and every week, or any episode you've ever listened to, any piece of any episode that you've ever taken the time to give yourself over to, it has been and continues to be my privilege. So thank you very much, sincerely. I was going around parts of a town that I lived in for many years, and I'm sure you've had this experience, where... Despite the town being very much the same as it was when you lived there, for some reason you notice all these different things about it. And they're not new buildings or remodelings or different places that you hadn't seen. It was the same exact place you had seen many times and somehow never noticed, never fully saw where all of, a, all of a sudden it, it, it occurs to you that, oh, there's this little street over there that I always drove by on my way to school or my way to work, and I just never turned down that street. I'm almost sort of afraid to turn down that street after all these years of not even thinking about turning down it. And that's just one little road. And on each of these little roads that I always sort of saw but never fully registered with myself, 
they all could be turned down. And each one of them then has probably a bunch of other roads and other buildings and houses and each one of those places full of individuals and families and businesses all going about their life. An unimaginable quantity of experiences all happening just out of sight or that we just never noticed. It's difficult to describe this sensation because it's a familiar unfamiliarity. Something that you've seen but never saw. A place you've gone many times but never really visited. It must be somehow related to a part of yourself. As though there's some place inside myself that I've sort of walked by. A part of my self inside that I have glanced over but never fully investigated. A road inside your soul that you never turned down or bothered to explore that possesses, again, almost an infinite amount of depth in itself, almost multiple lives within your own life. So let's take time to explore. Let's take time to notice those things that we sort of just pass over and actually go down the road with an open mind, with an open heart, not particularly looking for any one thing, but just trying those different avenues that we never thought of trying. Explore those parts of ourselves that never occurred to us that we even could investigate. There is so much to lead us, so many places that we can go, so many roads to follow. And most of them, and the most valuable ones, are inside of ourselves. Stay strong. It takes courage to do any of these things. But the most valuable courage and strength is simply the commitment to stay engaged in this type of life. To not give up when it's painful or hard. To keep putting one foot in front of the other. And even when you think you can't go any further, that it couldn't possibly get any harder, just know that you can still keep going. And you're sharing that commitment with the best people that have ever existed. Anyone who has ever amounted to anything or contributed anything of value to the human race is there cheering you on in some form or another. Their spirit is with you. That inspiration is always present and can be drawn upon. It's an infinite resource of power to know that anyone who has done anything had to go through as much difficulty as you or I can ever imagine and still went through it. So stay the course. Make that promise to yourself. That's a kind of promise that once it is made, it makes everything very clear. All of a sudden, things are prioritized in a very beautiful way. What is truly important and valuable rises right to the top. 
gets pushed right to the front of your brain, is immediately visible around you and on the horizon ahead of you. Just stay strong and don't break that promise. This has been America WK. Thank you again. From the bottom of my heart, from the top of my heart, from every ventricle inside my heart, for being part of whatever it is that this is that we're doing. Really means a great deal to me. I hope it means something, anything to you at all. We're in it together, whether we like it or not. So let's rise to the challenge and give it all we got. I love you. Stay strong. This is America WK, hosted by your friend and mine, Andrew WK. Only on the Blaze Radio Network.